Thank you again for joining us on Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast. I'm your co-host, Thomas Dempsey. And I'm your co-host, Elizabeth Connor. And Elizabeth? Thomas? Sorry, I thought I was going to come up with something to say. Uh, I don't know. Doing podcasts is weird. Uh, we normally record these things like last thing, uh, any given day. We're both pretty busy like in the during the daytime, and then our evenings and afternoons are pretty occupied with various obligations. So nighttime early is the go the get around to it hour, and. Yep. Uh, just going off of what I've heard of, like, you know, professional podcasters and what have you, it's not exactly ideal. I feel like you're um, sort of running on fumes, as it were. Mm-hmm. So, um, I always try to keep the energy up on here, and I feel like we do all right. But, I uh, think so. If, there, if, if conversation ever lags or if any of us ever sort of trail off, you know, it's not like it's costing you anything. <laughs> True. But uh, yeah, Elizabeth, how you been? I've been good. Uh, today was my last day of school, so now I'm officially on summer vacation. Nice. Um, this is going to be a shorter vacation than normal because my district is going to start transitioning to a year-round schedule. So instead yeah. of instead of going back in like the middle of August, um. I'm going to be going back the beginning of August. So I get like six weeks of vacation. Yeah, so it's shorter weeks more frequently. Shorter breaks. Right. Um, It's it's not actually going to be fully implemented until the 22-23 school year. Um, So this coming school year, the 21-22 is kind of a... It's just a transition year. Okay. All right. Well... Yeah, I like the sound of that. I think um, it seems like that's more in line with how school years tend to work in other parts of the world. Yeah, um, I think I think once it's fully implemented, I think I'm I think I and others are really going to like it because the idea of like being in school for nine weeks and then getting a three week vacation is really, really appealing. Yeah. And uh Vacation time is a hot-button issue at my uh, place of employment. Uh, We've been juggling schedules and whatnot, trying to get everybody uh, their time off that they want and uh, not, like, have gaps in the schedule that we have to rush to fill in. Mm -hmm. And uh, got a couple new hires, a couple other hires that are leaving in a week or two. Mm -hmm. So it's a a moment of... uh, turmoil but um you know we're getting by and uh yeah i'm at uh, something of a turning point myself today was the occasion of my second vaccination shot Woo-hoo. so now both of us are fully up on it yes we are yes and that will uh afford us ideally some uh Occasions to get out in the world, maybe get a little more dynamic with uh, the goings-on of this podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, uh, look forward to that. But uh, before we get to talking about what we've been reading, uh, Elizabeth, is there anything you haven't been reading? Um, I've pretty much just been, like, really focused on just trying to finish out the school year strong. Um... I don't know if other teachers feel this way, but like the last two to three weeks, uh, like I can feel my body start getting into like summer mode and like having to juggle, okay, yes, you're ready for vacation, but no, you're not on vacation yet. You still have work to do can be like exhausting in and of itself. Oh, sure. I feel like... Um, uh... So yeah, so like that's just kind of been... It makes the weeks go by long. It makes the weeks feel longer. Sure. Yeah, my weeks, I mean, I feel like my weeks just sort of fly by. Uh, so much of it is sort of anchored around when I'm not working, which is kind yeah. of sad when you say it out loud. But uh, um, so, like, for instance, I came and visited y'all last weekend for uh, 
your stepson's graduation from high yep. school. That's right. And, I, uh, I am now the stepmama of a high school graduate. Yeah. And a big, big moment in any person's life. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, I came home that Sunday and then been working throughout the week. And today was a long day for me because was covering for one of the aforementioned, uh, vacationers, mm-hmm. uh, covering their Friday night shift. And, uh, so it's been no less a busy week than I normally have, but all the same, they just sort of fly by. Like when you get into the rhythm of work in the morning, uh, errands in the afternoon, dinner in the evening, like, uh, what, what recreation at night and then all over again. So I feel like I'm still sort of in the, uh, cycle of, uh, like the last year or so. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, keeping an eye to the horizon, you know, imagining a life beyond this. See, that's one of those pauses I'm talking about. Yeah, we're all just sort of drifting along. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. So. Oh, I have a joke that I saw on oh. Facebook. Okay, yeah, let's hear it. And if it's not appropriate, you can edit it out. Sure. What are Michael Jackson's pronouns? Hee <laughs> hee. I haven't seen that one, but it just seems sort of obvious. <laughs> I... I read that on my phone and then I like told it to Brian and then I continued like I would just sit there and think about it and like laugh like once every 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it is just sort of an enjoyable like physiological <laughs> action. Hee <laughs> hee. <laughs> It's almost like a verbal ex. It's almost like a, like a vocal exercise. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that that'll be fun. Now, whenever our listeners do pick up on a little bit of a lag in the action, they can just imagine us thinking about, hee hee. <laughs> and what made it funnier was I saw this thing on Facebook, and then. Brian and I were eating in a, at a barbecue place, and they started playing, uh, like, the Michael Jackson song, you know, It Don't Matter If You're Black or White. Yeah. And, like, he would, and he would make that noise, like, during the instrumental part, like, hee hee, and yeah. I would laugh every time I heard it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, uh, do you remember that time, I forget what it was. I felt like there was some record I bought at Mr. K's when you were still living at your old place. And uh, I brought it with me that day because I guess I came directly on my visit. And you had, like, your record player there and I wanted to, like, test it out. Mm-hmm. And I, it was, I forget what used... It was some used album. And I forget what it was. And uh, I pulled the record out and... Because it was secondhand, I don't know if it had gotten misstocked or if the person who'd sold it had uh, misplaced it or whatever. But whatever the original album was, it was a copy of, I want to say, Michael Jackson's Thriller on vinyl. Yeah. And I don't know if I still have it. I don't think I sold it off. But I've just got, like, a vinyl of that album in, like, like a wrong sleeve. It might have been <laughs> David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust, but I can't recall. I feel like that sounds right. Yeah, it was definitely like a classic rock album that just so happened to have another classic album from that sort of same uh, mm-hmm. sort of a time. But um, yeah, I need to get back into listening to vinyl. I've got this whole collection over here. My only real uh concern is just um like keeping my records clean and getting like fresh needles and what have you mm-hmm. a friend of mine who's like really into his music collection has like a whole like 
vinyl cleaning kit that he busts out for like every time he goes to put it on the table. Okay. So it very much feels like an occasion yeah. sort of thing, but uh, I've been meaning to grab me one of those. And I've also been experimenting with like this uh, new turntable I got that I'm trying to hook up to the speakers of my old one mm-hmm. to see if maybe that gets a better playback, but uh, it remains to be seen. Okay. Oh, speaking of music. Here's uh, some good news. I uh, finally found my uh, iPod. Oh, good. Where was it? Yeah. Well, here, for uh, the listeners at home, uh, I have a, I guess, Gen 4 iPod that I got as a Christmas gift back in uh, 20, 2007, 2008. And uh, that thing has held up. It's mm-hmm. got its dings and its cracks, but it plays as good as ever. And I still, like, sync it up every morning with, like, podcasts and what have you. And uh, listen to it as I'm driving around for work. And uh, I guess, like, the Monday before last, I brought it home from work, set it down somewhere, and then the next morning I couldn't find it. And I couldn't find it for the next week and a half. But I just, I knew it had to be around here somewhere because I had the distinct memory of having it when I came home. And not having it the next day. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it could have gone anywhere. And I tell you what, it fell into a shoe. <laughs> Apparently, like, Mom had some boots over by one of the tables where it had gotten sat down. And I guess it just slid off at some point and fell into the shoe. And then when the other day Mom was going to put those boots on, she noticed it in the sole and, and pulled it out. And saved the day. Oh, yes. So I was happy to have it back. Yep. But I tell you what, that thing is probably... I don't know what kind of shelf life those early, like, pre... uh, Like, planned obsolescent devices. Mm -hmm. What kind of uh, shelf life they have. But I could see that thing going on just for the foreseeable future. For For as much wear and tear as it's got on it, I don't really put it through that much. But then I guess all that stuff sort of adds up. But mm-hmm. so we'll just see. I was about to say, they don't even make the iPods anymore, do they? Well, there's a there's a very uh, active, like, secondhand market for yeah. them. So you're never at a loss to find one, like, used. But okay. no, I don't think they make just the standalone iPods. Although this is a v- video iPod, so you can technically watch movies on it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, like... In my uh, Maymester to France, in my uh, junior year of college, I uploaded a bunch of, like, Japanese, like, ninja movies on there and watched them on the plane right over. Okay. a very, like, pleasant memory. Okay. But I don't really watch much on it anymore because we got our dang old phones. Oh, yeah. Yep. But, uh... I yep. had a um I had an event that like I was like if this is the only good thing that happens this summer it'll be worth it. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope not, but so, go ahead. And it and it's so silly that I'm so invested, but like I I'm really into like beauty YouTubers. You're in uh say what? I said I'm really into like beauty YouTubers. Oh. Uh yeah, beauty yeah, makeup. Yeah, like, YouTube. yeah, makeup influencers, be- the beauty community, which sure d- apparently doesn't exist anymore. But whatever, because there's been so Ooh. much drama. Um, but like you know, I watch a lot of, I watch a lot of Jaclyn Hill. I watch a lot of Jeffrey Star. Like those are pretty much the two that I follow the most. Um, okay. I've watched. I occasionally will watch Laura Lee, uh, but my absolute favorite one. My absolute favorite one was Tati Westbrook, and she took a year-long hiatus. Okay. From any social media platform, she and did she's not back? up, and she's back. She released her, she released her like "I'm back" video yesterday. I didn't see it until today, um, where you know she talked about the things that she's experienced in the past year. And how she's back and she's going to start uploading videos again. 
and I was so excited because I have so missed her content. She does a lot of like, um, she does mostly makeup reviews. So new sure. products will come out. It doesn't matter if it's drugstore, high end or luxury, but new products will come out. She'll get her hands on it and she'll review it um, on camera and she'll, you know, she'll talk about whether or not the product is worth the cost. Okay. Um, uh. and because she's, and I mean, she's been, she's been doing YouTube for like 10 years. Oh, okay. So, you know, she's got a lot of background makeup knowledge just from her years of doing YouTube. So her reviews are like very in depth. She is very thorough with like applying product in different ways with different techniques to see if it like you know, well, it doesn't work if you do this, but it does if you do this, like that kind of thing. Okay. But any, so anyway, I was stoked when I saw that she was back. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I guess I follow various, uh, like, video content creators and uh, support a fair number of them on Patreon. So I'm usually kept abreast of what all they're up to. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't really know of anybody who's got like any big works coming out there of course like rumblings and such but yeah uh, yeah if there was any like big to do i hadn't heard about it quite yet another one that i've gotten into like she's she very much does like makeup but she does uh, her name's jamie french and she does this series on her channel called makeup and movies where she will watch like late 90s to 2000s movies that people recommend for her to watch and she will and like she will talk about them like scene by scene while she's doing her makeup right and you know she does a really great job with editing because she'll she'll be like i wish the scene had gone like this and then she'll like play the scene, but then via the magic of green screen, she'll like insert herself into it to like make it what she wanted it to be. Sure. And it's it's hysterical. So that's okay. another one I've been getting into lately. That sounds cool. I might want to check that out. I've uh, been meaning to watch more movies as of late. I feel like uh, it's it's just one of those like media activities. If you don't have like the headspace to sort of settle in for it right and we're looking forward to getting back out to theaters now that i'm shot up so yeah and now that theaters are open again sure so that'll be an experience and uh yeah but uh that's now's not the time to be talking about all that now's the time to be talking about books yep or in my case book because in the last two weeks, I have read one book. <laughs> and it was not long. I, uh, not to dive in too deep just yet, but uh, I started a book about two weeks back in anticipation of a certain challenge that I had assigned. And in short order, came to the realization that I would not be finishing that book in time to talk about it for this episode so i switched over to another book that met the same criteria and finished it in the span of about four days and uh quite enjoyed it look forward to talking about it but before we get around to that elizabeth why don't you tell us what you've been up to okay so um i have read four books in the two weeks since we've last spoken um okay and I'm going to talk about three of them. Well, I'm going to talk about all four, but one of them I'll just very briefly touch on. Um, yeah. So I'll get that one out of the way first. So it is a book called Maneuver by Shell Bliss. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I guess, the first book in the Men of Inked Southside. So it takes place in like Southside Chicago. Right. And it's a romance and it's a romance story about a girl who comes from a wealthy family. She's a single mom. 
um, the father of her child who she was dating, like, just decided he didn't want to be a dad. So he, like, just dropped out. Um, he was like, deuces, I'm gone. I don't want this responsibility. So she's been raising her daughter in her dad's penthouse where she lives. Um, and her dad, while he is wealthy, is also an alcoholic. Okay. And, um, and, and he's, anyway, he's a very, like, mean, like, he's a mean alcoholic. So the book opens with him, like, kicking her out of his car. And she's, like, in the middle of nowhere, and he tells her, you're cut off. And so she's got a baby in the middle of Chicago at, like, midnight. And she walks to the nearest open establishment, which happens to be a bar, where she meets her love interest. And it goes on from there. All right. So and anyway, was this it was part of a series or a standalone. It, it is part of a series, um, but okay. like most romance series, you can, you don't have to read them in order. You can if you want to. You don't necessarily have to, but it is part of a series. Right. Um, okay, so that's the one that I wanted to touch on briefly. So the other one, another one that I read, I gotta say, these last couple weeks, I've, I've read some real winners. Um, you know this one is called Air of Shadows, and it's from the Daisley Academy. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's D-A-I-Z-L-E-I, Daisley Academy okay. series. Um, uh. So what this series is about is it establishes the fact that, you know, the world is as it is, except you have a whole nother like race of people called the supernaturals who are not known to the regular human population. Um, at least not prolifically, like they're not necessarily out there in the public eye. They're not really a thing that's known about. They kind of keep to themselves. Um, and they call themselves supernaturals, but they're basically X-Men. Oh, fun. Um, so, it's about these the set of triplets and um the triplets like have like their parents died when they were like 11 so they've kind of been bounced around from foster home to foster home until finally they're like 16 years old and they enter into the custody of their aunt and they're like we didn't even know you existed like why are you just now taking us under your wing And the aunt was like, well, to be honest, like, I didn't know where you were. Like, I couldn't find you to take care of you. Right. And so then she's like, so now, um, you know, I'm your guardian and I'm shipping you all off to boarding school so that you can be with other supernaturals. And the girls are like, like, they're they're not really sure how to think of this. They're not really sure what to think of this because they've been on their own for their whole life, basically. Or since they were like 11. Okay. So they get to school and they're talking to people when they first get there. And that's when they realize how much different they are from their peers. Um, Because the boarding school doesn't start accepting students until like you're in like the sixth grade. Because generally you children who are supernaturals begin to manifest their powers when they're in like sixth, seventh and eighth grade. Well, these girls were different. Selena manifested when she was five years old. Oh. And then one of her sisters manifested when she was like 10. And then the last one manifested when she was 11. So, So you know, they're ahead of the curve. Yes. And um, her sister, I think her name's Lucy. But one of the sisters, Lucy, she is a healer. So, like, she can touch you, and if you've got something wrong with you, she can heal you. Right. Um, the other sister, I can't remember what her name is. It's, like, Ansley or something. Maybe I don't remember. Uh, okay. She is a fire wielder, so she can both produce and manipulate fire. And then Fun. Selena, who's the main character, you don't know what her power is for most of the first book. 
Okay. You just know that, like, she's, like, stupid strong and stupid fast. Uh. But she alludes to the fact that it's her... It's her power. It's her main power that allows her to do those things. So, but okay. you don't find out until like the last three chapters what it is she can actually do. Right. And so it just you know it talks like basically this book delves very much into like the family dynamics um, among the sisters because Selena, having manifested first, feels like yes. she has to take care of her sisters. And then yeah. they get to school and her sisters are finding their own ways in the world. And Selena feels kind of like, well, what am I supposed to do? All right. So she like struggles with making some bad choices. And and then she finally starts to like make some friends and kind of gets her life turned around. And then, as always, crap goes down. Okay. So... And what was the name of that book again? That book was Air of Shadows from the Daisley Academy series. Okay. I'm going to... Yep. And then I've got two more, but we might want to take a break. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, Good time for it. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back with more book talk. Sounds good. So, welcome back from our break. Um, Where we left off, I was currently talking about the books that I had read. And that's what I'm going to keep doing for the next few minutes. All right. So, the third book that I read, this one was outstanding. Like, hats off to the author. Yes. So good. So good. Um, this one was called <laughs> okay. Wolf. What? Now I was just imagining you spending the rest of the podcast just vaguely alluding to how good the book is without ever talking about it. But it's so good. Okay. <laughs> so um, it's called Wolfsgate, and it is by uh, the author Cat Porter. And this is a historical romance. So this you say takes it was called Wolfsgate? It's called Wolf's Gate. Okay, and I trust it is about a very romantic gate. It is not. Oh. Well, then Wolf- that title is very confusing. Wolf's Gate is the name of the mansion where Brandon um, Treehairn, I think that's how you say his name, where okay. Brandon Treehairn is the Baron. Okay. Now, I was trying to play it off flippantly, but uh, I'm not sure if that came across, so I need to just confirm something real quick. Is this a werewolf book? No. No? Okay, then I am doubly uh, taken aback, because that (laughs) seems like the sort of on-the-nose sort of branding that those... Not the the yuck anybody's yum, but that's the sort of on-the-nose like title that those stories seem to traffic in. Right. No, this is um this is set in like Regency England. Yeah, well, I mean they had they had werewolves back then. They did, and to be fair, there is a wolf that may be real, maybe mystical. We're not really okay. sure, but there's That's no actual fun. like werewolves. Okay. Alrighty, um, well, shoot, shoot. Okay, so the two main characters are Brandon and Justine. Um, Brandon is the heir to Wolfsgate and his father, to teach him responsibility, his father sent him to Jamaica to go work, um, with their sugar plantation account. And he's like, you're going to Jamaica. You can't come back for two years. So Brandon goes down there. He becomes a man. He like matures and and realizes like okay like this is this is the expectation of somebody who is the the lord of their manor um and and this is like what it means to be a man so he's like all right i've learned my lesson so after his two years he come he gets on a boat and he's coming back to england and he gets caught up in a hurricane Mm. and his ship 
crashes. And he is presumed dead um, right. until his uncle and cousin, until he, the, it turns out he is, re- his body is recovered and he is in fact alive. And his uncle and cousin are made aware of this um, and that he is in a hospital in London and he is being sedated with opium. Okay. So the uncle and the cousin are like, well, we want access to the funds from the estate. So what they do, uh, they have this stepdaughter slash stepsister named Justine, who what they decide to do is they decide to marry her to Brandon while he is under the influence of opium. Oh, so, basically, at because for some reason, the the uncle and the cousin. I mean, the reasons are made clear later. But the uncle and the cousin have to go off to Scotland for a meeting, um, yes. and so Justine is like, things have got to change around here. So she and the steward of the house go to London and recover Brandon and bring him home where they proceed to assist him in detoxing from his opium addiction. Okay. And it turns out, and then, you know, so when Brandon, like after he's like kind of done with his detox and he finds out what's going on, he finds out from his cousin that he is married to his step cousin, that he's married to Justine, um, Brandon is very much under the illusion that his uncle and cousin have taken him for everything he's worth and that he's basically penniless. Okay. That is, in fact, not the case. Right. Because Justine is... Like, I want to be Justine when I grow up. Aw. I mean, she's younger than me. Yeah. But I want to be Justine when I grow up. Right. So basically, like, she was like, I am aware that Brandon is still alive. I, I recognize that this is my stepfather and my stepbrother's plan, and I'm not going to allow that to happen. So she basically learned how to cook the books to make oh. it look like her stepfather and her stepbrother were going through funds a lot quicker than they were, when in turn, when in truth, she was hiding the majority of Brandon's assets. Okay. And was, in fact, like, continuing to help the estate thrive. So that when Brandon did finally, like, get over his opium addiction, um, he would not, in fact, be penniless. And he would be able to step into his role as man of the house and do what he needed to do. All right. Well, that sounds fun. It's so good. And... Go ahead. Is that just the entire arc of the book? or? So, that's like the arc of the first part. And then... And then there's things... And then there's things about, like, blackmail. And then, like, Brandon and Justine realize that, no. Like, yeah, like, we entered into this marriage unwillingly. Or, in Brandon's case, unknowingly. Um Because yeah. he was high as a kite when he signed that marriage certificate. Mm-hmm. And... But then they like they realize that they're actually in love with each other, and so, but then they have to like carry on their relationship into the real world, or at least the real world for them, and and basically they run into the same kind of problems that you see in most romance novels, where you know what if you would just sit down and talk to each other, a lot of these problems could be avoided. Sure. I do want to give a quick trigger warning though um, for Wolfsgate. Uh, there is descriptions of rape and sexual assault. Right. That uh, puts me in the mind, I don't know if you um, keep up with this uh, video series that PBS does, but um, uh, uh, I think it's called uh, It's Lit, where they talk mm-hmm. about various genres and titles from literary history, and... Uh, the t- the uh, host's name is uh, Princess. I'm blanking on her last name, but uh, they recently did an episode about Jane Eyre, and they talk a lot of a lot about the conventions of like Gothic literature, 
and mm-hmm. uh, it seems like you're hitting it hits on a lot of the same notes so i'll share a link in the twitter but uh that's a definitely a good watch if anybody's interested okay all right so you got a last book to tell us about i do and it is also very very good um it is called year of living blonde and it's by andrea simone um this takes place in like current day seattle Uh huh. and the main character natalie um her husband she's a baker so she's like up it's like five o'clock in the morning she's in her kitchen baking muffins or cupcakes or something to take to her bakery where she's you know a business owner and her husband walks in it's the day of their 14th anniversary and he goes i want a divorce i'm leaving you for another woman right and basically the entire book is about her rediscovering herself learning to put herself first when you know she always had like like she always perceived herself to be one way and mm-hmm. then, like, throughout the changes that she makes post her husband leaving her, like, she realizes, she kind of comes to realize, like, what she should and should not be putting up with anymore. Yes. Um, she formally meets and enters into a relationship with the landlord of the building that she and her business partner rent their space from. Okay. Um, and he is a successful astronomer. And it's just a good book. Like, I don't know. Like, because Natalie is about the same age as me. So, just a lot of the things that she's, like, struggling with as a woman in her mid-30s, um, I can relate to. Okay. So, and, and I just really, really... I really appreciated a story with that kind of character. They are becoming more the norm as, you know, the romance genre is growing. Um, It's not all just like 18 to 25 year olds anymore. Right. Um, So anyway, it's just, it's, it's basically, I loved this book so much because I loved the growth that Natalie showed from page one to the last page. Oh, that's cool. And like, and again, it's part of a little series. Um, and I'm and I'm reading the second book now. And I'm not gonna lie, like I am super frustrated with the second book. I'm currently reading it right now. I don't know that I'm gonna finish it. Like I'm that frustrated with it. Oh, I'm sorry. It happens, and that's yeah. okay. Sure. But that is it for my books that I've read. TJ, tell us about your book. (laughs) Okay. Well, if you can believe it, I read a thing. Uh, It was my book for this week's reading challenge, which, if our listeners will recall, one month ago, Elizabeth assigned me to read a book by a gay author uh, with a gay protagonist or a LGBTQ protagonist. And... uh, I picked the novel Less by Andrew Sean Greer. I've had it on the old TBR for a while. Finally took the plunge and uh, quite liked it. It's about a guy named Le- well, Arthur Less. He's a uh, middle-aged novelist whose main claim to fame is that one of his old lovers was sort of the head of this late 70s through the 80s sort of literary movement. And uh, mm-hmm. after uh, they had sort of their falling out, he went on to have his own sort of semi-successful career as an author that's sort of like leaves something to be desired in terms of where his artistic fulfillment is concerned. And uh, at the book's outset, uh, one of Arthur's more recent lovers, who's like, think like almost two decades his junior this guy named um philippe uh is getting married and to avoid the wedding 
Arthur is taking on a bunch of uh, literary engagements around the world because he's the he's like the kind of kind of like not the outgoing sort so whenever he gets sent a fielder for some like lecture series or presentation or like a college thing to do uh, he just sort of adds it to the pile and to avoid having to confront his you know, ex-flame and everything he just picks a whole bunch of them to do in the span of like three or four months to use as an excuse to avoid it. Mm-hmm. And so the book is essentially a travel log of this guy traveling around the world, uh, going on comedic misadventures in all these various places. He starts off in New York, then goes to Mexico, then Germany, then a brief sojourn in France before moving to Morocco, then India... And then the book ends with him traveling to Japan. So it's, uh, and then like throughout the book and like across all his various antics is uh, flashbacks back in time to his various loves and his childhood and family life and what have you. So you get sort of a complete picture of this guy and uh, sort of what has brought him to the state he is in and it's sort of fun because the book really does sort of take you through the highs and lows of this character. So, like, certain times he's, like, a lot more hapless and, like, self-deprecating than he is at other times. And uh, you sort of get the sense that, like, so much of what defines this character is just sort of his environment. Mm-hmm. And that he's, like, there's conditions and settings where he's like more primed to thrive and then when you take him out of those conditions he just sort of wilts mm-hmm. and uh it's funny to watch like expectations get subverted and surprises occur along the way and uh yeah and i really enjoyed it it's uh, a pretty well-known book. It's like on a b- bunch of bestseller lists. It uh, is a Pulitzer Prize winning novel, which is interesting because uh, a Pulitzer Prize is actually a plot point in the book. Uh, the famous lover that Les had early on, when he was just sort of starting out, was a Pulitzer Prize winning poet. And uh, there's a plot point in the book where he's like, receiving the award and somebody says to Arthur Arthur who it's in retrospect I don't know if it's intended but it's kind of hard not to view him as something of an author insert for uh, Andrew Greer but uh, somebody just says to Arthur in the book uh, not to win awards for your writing mm-hmm because I guess it like uh, messes with your uh, drive or your like creative potential and what have you. And so mm-hmm. for this book to then go on and win like one of the big sort of literary awards just seemed kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I'm tempted to chalk it up to this thing. Like if you follow like film discourse, then you know that it's uh, sort of an accepted wisdom that when it comes time for the Oscar race, a lot of films that sort of have the edge are films that play that pay lip service or sort of uh, uh, appeal to the egos of like filmmakers and artists. Mm-hmm. So, like a couple years back, the Best Picture winner was this film, uh, Shape of Water, and then uh, which was sort of like an old Hollywood throwback. And uh, I think maybe the year before or after that. Sort of one of the front runners was this film La La Land, which was sort of like at the center of a big, like controversy when it uh, almost won. Uh, but um, yeah, so it it just seems like I don't know how, like literary awards are doled out. Uh, if it's in a similar fashion, because you figure people gotta, it's it's really just falls down to like whoever decides it. Mm-hmm. And like these books, it's not like there there's a like a wide ranging vote. Usually judges are assigned 
and uh, lists are assembled and chalked down. So there's a whole like ecosystem, I'm sure, that determines what books get put up for and win awards. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was interesting that a book that would make so much of it would then go on to win. Right. Yeah. So, uh, that's but that's just like one little... And it's like sort of analogous to like the level of like coincidence and happenstance that takes place throughout the book because like on his travels he'll like experience things that like echo back to events from earlier in his life and uh like he'll encounter people that he's uh like sort of known and that sort of like force him to confront various aspects of himself and his history Mm -hmm. and uh yeah, he's just sort of an interesting character, and um, I just uh, really enjoyed it. Like I said, I read it in like a matter of like three or four days. I read the better half of it like over the course of like four hours mm-hmm. in a single sit. So it's not a long book, and uh, it's paced pretty well. Like each chapter almost feels like its own short contained self-contained short story mm-hmm. even as you're sort of like getting a more complete overarching sense of this guy in his life so uh it's definitely i could i definitely gets a recommendation as being like accessible and uh readable okay but uh, yeah and uh glad i finally had the opportunity to throw it on yeah uh, I might be inclined to talk about the other book I tried to read that was just too long. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it was like nearly three times the length of this one. Mm. So uh, it was a bit foolhardy of me in retrospect to tackle it for this challenge, but uh, all the same. Um, I'm sure I'll be keeping on it and y'all be hearing about it in the weeks to come. Alrighty. Yep. So that's uh, that's my take on Les. Gets a recommendation. All right, awesome. Yeah, I do feel I will say this: the the character's name being Arthur Les. No one ever like. There's some pretty on the nose like sort of like literary like plays on words and what have you, in the book. No one ever mm-hmm. makes the leap of calling him artless. <laughs> which I which I don't know if that was intended as subtext or not I figured I don't see how it couldn't be but it does sort of seem like the sort of thing right right but it no it's it's fun alright well, so good. that was my challenge done uh, you want to talk uh, word totals sure alright uh, you go ahead Alrighty, um, sorry, I have my, I have my, like, total, word total up. I don't have my word total for these past couple weeks. Okay, so, the past two weeks, I have read 345,120 words, which yep. brings my total to 4,148,318 words. Okay, and... Over the past two weeks, I have read one book with a word total of 77,376 words, which, uh, added on to my previous total, brings my word total to 2,369,224 words. Okay. Yeah, so, it's a very much... I, I'm not quite lapping me, but, uh... Yeah, we're getting close, so I'm definitely going to have to, like, I guess, put the heat on. Well, you know, we're also probably throwing in a plot twist next week for my challenge. Oh, that's true. We did discuss a certain wrinkle to a uh, certain reading challenge that we, I think, can just as well sit on and let uh, the readers discover uh, come next week. But uh, that'll be, that'll certainly... Add another layer of intrigue, I suspect. But uh, for the time being, why don't we talk about the next reading challenge for yours truly? Alrighty, so 
Um, you know, I feel like my life lately has been very much consumed with Little League Baseball. Sure. Um, and not to mention just sports in general. So, your challenge, should you choose to accept it, which I hope you will, is to find and read a non-fiction sports book. Okay. It can be a biography. It can be just about the game in general. Um, it can be a series of essays. It can be whatever it is you can find. It just needs to be nonfiction, and it has to be about sports. All right. Well, that sounds good, and that'll be a fun little pairing with the start of summer tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, we are recording this on uh, Juneteenth. So, uh, Wait, June 19th is when it is, right? Yeah, so yeah, we're... Yeah, so technically we're... it's June, the day before that. So we've got a mm-hmm. couple days then. Yep. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that'll be good. And uh, looking forward to it. And uh, look forward to the next episode. Uh, Elizabeth, do you want to tell everybody where they can find us? Yeah, so you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Your Words Podcast. And you can also find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com. Yeah, I do not update the website very frequently or very well, so look forward to it. (laughs) But uh, yeah, we'll get this episode out. And uh, hope you like it. Hope you tell your friends. Hope you bring them on in to the... How does your words against mine abbreviate? It's Y <laughs> W A M. Yeah. Yawam. 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 Alright, bye. Alright, bye.